Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators, dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode features two writers, Allison Danger and Adam Ma. Along with the writers from episode four and myself, Allison and Adam were both nominated for Favorite Writer at the 2021 Sequential Magazine Awards. Allison is the writer of We Save the World, and Adam is the writer of Folklore. I asked them to come on this show and talk about those books. This is their conversation. Hello, uh, my name's Allison Danger, and I'm coming in from middle Ontario, I guess. I'm hanging out with Jordan and Adam today. Uh, I'm the author of a couple of different comic books, but the one that I'm talking about on the podcast today is We Save the World. Uh, it's a young adult comic book series, limited series. There's three books. Uh, two of them are out now. You can find them on um, Drive Through Comics, and you can also find them on Amazon. Um, they are digital downloads right now, but the trade will be coming out later this year. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with uh, another writer from this area. His name's Adam, and I'm going to throw it to him. Hello. <laughs> I'm Adam. I'm joking here uh, because I know how to breathe. And I'm the writer behind Folklore. Uh, it is a superhuman horror webcomic. been running for, oh my God, six, seven years, maybe. Time is scary. Uh, and it's free to read on folklorecomic.com. Alternatively, we've got trade paperbacks on my Kofi page, which you can find me on Twitter at 34th Gingerbread. And it's comics are awesome. And that's where I'm going to start with uh, asking the first question here. How, I mean, this, this always drives me wild. Like, how did you get, how'd you get your first idea? Like, when, where did the inspiration come from? Ooh, that's a long answer, but I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, but I, I'd like you to answer that one too, actually. That's a good one. It was on my list. Um, I got into writing comics because my day job was sucking the literal life out of me um, without going into too much detail because it usually garners a whole bunch of questions. Um, I'm an embalmer in my day job. So um, there's a, a lot of heavy, heavy, heavy stuff that gets covered when I'm at work. So I really needed a way to decompress and I had always done that through writing. So um, I kind of hit a breaking point in my day job and, and life there and I, I needed a change of gears. So I was lucky enough uh, to be able to um, take a break from that and get into writing more full-time. So once I started doing that, I realized that I really should be writing something that I would enjoy reading. Um, and it took me a while to find my voice, but uh, I found that through writing my first uh, graphic novel called Blood and Motor Oil. Um, and yeah, that's a, a book about a woman and a robot. And uh, it's really about her family and how, you know, she kind of relates to the robot. They go through a lot of kind of trying tumultuous uh, tragedy, I guess you'd probably say. Um, so there's a lot of myself reflected in, in that book. And it was a way for me to like a cathartic exorcism of all of the terrible things I was feeling from my day job. Um, but I actually relate more to the robot than I do the woman in the book. So don't get misled if you pick that one up that you won't see me in the, 
in the um in the woman you'll see me in the in the goofy robot but um yeah that's that's basically where it started i realized that i love comics i've always loved comics so if i'm going to be writing something then why wouldn't it be that so back to you adam um same question how did you get into writing comics so my artist friend and I, my artist, uh, Colin Tanway, who is uh, absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. We were at the time working for a uh, gaming publication online, uh, Gaming Union. And cool. uh, we were talking about different ideas on what to do that would maybe be like, we were just a group of talented people, I think talented people, um, who wanted to do something else that was more than just game reviews. And I was and am really passionate into writing. Um, I, I have a lot of different, uh, I guess, odd jobs out there in terms of freelance for, for tabletop and my own novel and short stories. So it awesome. really made sense that if I could contribute something story-wise that it would be maybe beneficial to the group. And uh, I pitched a, a comic idea to Colin at the time. Uh, and we both really got into it and kind of took it and ran with it from there and decided let's just make one issue and see what that looks like and see what that effort is and what that'll actually take and see how long we can kind of run with it from there and that's that's the start of folklore and you were hooked yes yes <laughs> that's awesome i love that you had a um like a partner in crime the whole time you were able to to put it together together you it wasn't a you know kind of a what's the word like a passion project for you and then you had to seek out somebody as well to get on board and and take that on that it was something that you had both kind of put together that, that's really great I really like that yeah I I was super nervous at the time because he was then and still is today such a talented artist so mm -hmm. I almost felt like man I'm gonna go to this guy I'm going to waste his time with my stupid idea and he's going to, he's going to be like, Oh yeah, let's, let's definitely do that. And like, you know, like be really nice and, and then ignore me for a little bit. Uh, but he was, he was really into it, which I still find hard to believe to this day. And where uh, we kind of both learned a lot together at about comics and how to make them mm -hmm. and what that's all about. Like simultaneously, like. Yeah, for sure. Life. That's awesome. Um, yeah, in my experience, I've, um, I've usually found artists that I've worked with. Um, there are a few I know personally, um, but most of the time when somebody's signing on to a bigger project, it's because I've found them on like Instagram, Twitter, their commissions are open, their art style fits with what I'm, what I'm working with, what I'm writing. And we just kind of develop a relationship from there. Um, usually what I'll do is I'll start, you know, I'll get them to do a few like character turns or see if they kind of, you know, are into it or, or what their availability looks like. Um, but I've had really good luck. I've met a lot of really wonderful people all around the world um, because it, comic people are great people. So it's been a really great experience. I can't say that I've met an artist that I haven't kind of gelled with um, at least on a, a a really uh, platform kind of level. So uh, it's been, it's been a really great experience. Um, have you worked with any other um, artists that you wanted to talk about at all? Uh, long-term, not 
really. Um, okay. I've I've worked with a couple artists in terms of like talking about work and editing and throwing around like some projects, and okay. that's super super helped me better understand what I'm doing, maybe right or wrong in my own work. Um, and I I almost hesitate to like bring up people now because I will not stop talking about like Jay <laughs> Jay Fabra and and. Uh, Angelo O'Hara and, and just like there's there's just so many like people that are, are amazing in this industry to talk to and everyone I speak to I'm learning something new about you know how to approach black and white and what the best way to work with with another artist is um, so even though I feel really comfortable and easy to work with and open to a, a lot of different styles and, and uh, just processes uh, everyone that I talk to in this industry has something new to teach. That's awesome. I, I've been really, I'm so glad that I got back on Twitter because I have found that that's kind of where my favorite, especially local comic community kind of meets um, online. That's been my, my greatest experience. And I know a lot of people think of Twitter as this awful dumpster fire where everybody's terrible, but I guess I'm just following really nice people because my experience has been like, it's a really, really great community. So um, I, yeah, I've got no complaints. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid of networking a little bit. And it is scary because it's, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work meeting people and talking to people. Um, but I have found nothing but positivity and opportunities from yeah, me too. Indie Comics Twitter and Discord. Uh, uh, there's there's so many like great little uh, groups. I, I guess I'll shout out the Screen Tones podcast community. I don't know if anyone is listening who's not in there, but if you're interested in uh, web comics especially, um, they're they're just a great group. Everyone everyone wants to help each other. It's crazy. Yeah, I I totally get. I totally hear you for sure. Um, it, and it's great. It, like I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, but there's lots of there's lots of people from everywhere, and it's. It's so nice to just see everybody coming together and building each other up. It's really great. And the, and the, the thing that I really like about it is, is um, we all get to share in everybody's successes as well. We can build each other up. And then these people are coming up with these wonderful, you know, opportunities because, you know, their book got picked up or, um, you know, somebody's option, something else. So it, it just reinforces that kind of positivity in creating because, well, for myself anyway, um, because you see that continue. It's not just kind of you floundering alone in my quiet room, writing away, thinking nobody's ever going to read anything and getting all in my head. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I, I, if you had asked me that two or three years ago, <laughs> I wouldn't have said that at all. So it, hats off to the comic community. Yeah, yeah it, and it is intimidating at a distance, but I think everyone for the most part, it's pretty friendly. And while that isn't like, there are and have been some bad faith actors in the group that will just try to use you for clout. Uh, I think that's pretty easy to see. Like you can identify those people. You can spot and, that, yeah. Yeah, and you, and you should, and you should be wary. Um, but there's a lot of really great networks that are just dedicated to lifting up other creators. And that's Yeah, that's yeah it's a pretty awesome right. thing to see. Yeah. If you weren't writing comics, what do you think you'd be writing? Or what else are you currently writing other than comics? Uh, so I, like most writers, am plagued with the endless desire to create a book, uh, which I have 
but I want to get it out there and, and have it be published traditionally, which I, th- I think is a little bit of a challenge these days. Um, definitely not looking down on indie publishing at all. It's just like a, a personal goal slash quest of my, you know what I mean? Like, sure. like I, I know I can publish it myself. I can do that at any time. Um, I, I want the challenge of like getting a publisher to be like, yes, this is a book we want. Um, so right now, um, folklore kind of occupies that like horror superhero space in my mind that exists. And I can like pour all of that into there. Mm-hmm. And f- the rest of me is like really, really dedicated to fantasy. And that's that's what this book is. It's just awesome. fantasy adventure and uh, kind of going into all those like really uplifting things that I, I super, super love, but don't often get to show because the front face of my Twitter is just spooky stuff and D&D. <laughs> People love both those things though, horror and D&D. <laughs> true, true. You're playing to it. You're playing right to the audience, but yeah, I mean, that's why I fell in love with Star Wars because to me, it it just it rides on this wave of hope. And as much as you know, it's it's gigantic and world building and all of those great things that you look at as a writer. At the end of the day, it all comes down to hope, and that's a really uplifting thing. So I think that's why I kind of gravitate towards it. And I wish that I took more time to write with that kind of motivation behind it. Um, but I, I usually find that I, I go a little darker and kind of examine the more grim aspects of, of kind of the, the social aspect that we're living. But um, yeah, I, I totally hear that. I, I'd be interested to, to read what you've got going on, but that sounds awesome. Thanks. I, I, I think it's funny because I, I kind of found that underlying theme of hope in your comic like and I think it, it it exists in mine as well so like even when we try to get away from those themes maybe a little bit because I I never you know folklore I think is more a story about uh, accountability and representation and uh, you know choosing what to do with the power that you've been given but there's there's an element of of endurance that needs to be present there as well in any horror in any any good horror otherwise you're just watching uh probably a saw movie or a hostel or <laughs> just hopelessness for the sake of it right um what i took away when i i was reading folklore is i got a really um like resounding feeling of human resilience so as much as um you know and like you kind of say there's there's that um attitude of like the the zombie you know apocalypse post-apocalyptic um scenery you still have that human resili- resilience that that shines through in the overall story. So that's what I got from it. So it's kind of cool to hear that that was kind of one of your underlying tones because I definitely picked up on it when I was reading. Thank you. I it's it's hard. Like I think that's maybe something scary about making a comic is you you're able to see the themes that you put out there, and there's mm-hmm. there's the visual component to it that maybe helps it along. But you're always a little afraid. Like, oh, did I get this right? Like. Did, did this is someone hearing these words the way uh-huh. I said them for sure um the one thing that I have issue with is I'm uh, as much as I wear my emotions on my sleeve I don't let very many people see my sleeve so for me I'm very private about the emotionality that I kind of feel internally so 
when I look at a script page that I've written, I, it's like I'm looking and I'm seeing red ink every time I put a little piece of me into the script. Whereas when somebody looks at the comic, they, they don't see that. That's not glaring to them. So it's right. really hard from a personal standpoint to reread my work and not immediately see those little pieces of myself that I've been able to let go of. So I, I struggle with that every time I write, but, it, but yeah, it's, it's again, that thing you're worried or you're excited that somebody's going to see what you've put in there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely like both scary and exciting. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think for me, like uh, a big part of it is I want to maybe let go of some of the fears that I have about like the world and being a person and, and living in monsters and, or living with monsters. Um, and it, it can definitely be a little scary, like putting that out there because you know that someone's going to deconstruct it. Like, how could they not, how could they not like see this and be like, I I'm looking at a, a part of you that I just want to make sure that I'm putting the, the right parts out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really big, um, what, well, you know, the Spider-Man quote, like with great power comes great responsibility. Like it's the same thing I feel when I'm writing something. If somebody reads that, it's my responsibility to make sure that what they're taking from that is what I'm intending, that it's, you know, going in that positive direction, that it's not making them feel lesser. Um, so all of those things are always kind of, you know, resonating through my mind as I'm putting stuff onto paper. But yeah, I think it's, it's a really great feeling when somebody gets your work. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a really cool thing. It's, uh, there's, there's really nothing quite like it. Like, no, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's the best. I've got, I've got a question. Um, okay. And I get less, less about the emotion behind the work and, and more a little bit about the formatting. Um, so you, you went with kind of a traditional layout. I don't know how long you had planned we saved the world um mm -hmm. is there any reason you decide i obviously i did the same thing folklore is is very ready to print um and we did that because we wanted to print and and hold our book eventually right, exactly. like that's that just the dream <laughs> yep. um but from the time that i've started folklore to today like long long form scrolling has been a thing like mm -hmm. pdf formats are way more popular now like digital has has exploded and it, it definitely crazy. it changes the way i have to think about every scene because i have to say to myself like is this is this is it worth doing a splash page like those are cool but like to what end right was there any do you have any thought process behind that or are you just kind of Rolling. Um, again, like there's, there's just something so satisfying about holding your comic in your hand and smelling that paper smell when you flip the pages. Um, I'm going to share this little anecdote and then I'll answer your question. Um, when I went to my first comic convention, I think it was genre con back in Kitchener, like a number of years ago. And I had my very first comic from blood motor oil and um, the guy that printed for me, it was Alfonso from Studio Comics in Kitchener, who's an awesome, awesome dude. Um, he works really, um, really hard to make indie, um, indie creators uh, be able to print their own stuff. And anyway, he, Alfonso Esposito, I believe his last name is, um, at Studio Comics in Kitchener. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, 
So he brought me my books and, you know, he had the nice box and everything else. And he kind of gave me a hug. He's like, Oh, I'm so excited for you. So in I went and I kind of, you know, put them down on the table and my husband was there and he was kind of minding the table for me, which was wonderful. And I took the, like the comic out of the box and I kind of looked at it and I felt this whoosh of emotion. And I like kind of tucked it under my arm and ran off to the bathroom and had a little bit of a cry. Like, I'm sure it looked like I was going to spend some time in the washroom, but um, it was really just because it kind of hit me like holding something that I had been a part of creating really was an, uh, an emotional overload. So um, the, the reason bef- behind my traditional formatting of the comics is because the ultimate end game is I want to hold it in my hand. Um, as much as I love digital comics and I love the accessibility, ex- especially through Kickstarter, when you're supporting people overseas, it's just a more economical way for them to get their work out there. Um, especially with shipping being the way it is and everything else. So I I do love digital comics, but there's, there's just nothing better to me than holding that physical copy. So that's what kind of drove that traditional formatting of everything, because ultimately that's my end goal. Yeah. I I definitely feel the same way. Uh, I've, I think I've cried for every single print that I've like <laughs> volume one I cried volume two I cried uh, I cried when I when I had our short story collection printed like it just it feels really surreal to work on something for so long as, as yeah. maybe maybe it's a writer thing and where with with other art mediums you get to see what you're doing immediately and put it out there for better for worse but yep. f- with writing you have to like take time to digest it so finally seeing it like t- come together in a physical space and not seeing it on a screen that I've been looking at for like, you know, mm-hmm. two, three years. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different. Yeah. It's different. For sure. I love it. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one crying in bathrooms at conventions. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, definitely not. <laughs> oh, um, here's a question. Um, what do you think the next evolution of comics is? Like, like you said, Um, Digital comics are definitely occupying a bigger amount of space um, when it comes to creator stuff. Um, Where do you see it kind of going from here? What do you think is the next step? Comics today are wild. Like I, first off, when when I first started making folklore, we had a big conversation of should we be a web comic? Should we be print only? Should we do Patreon and then just let people buy it as they will? Like we, we had a really long talk for several months about like how we wanted to do things. And all of it's just irrelevant because because we're just doing all of it, right? We have a website, we have a Patreon, we have a PDF, we have print. It's really, it's, it's wild. Like you can just, you can literally just do whatever we we could probably cut up folklore and make it into a vertical scroll. If we wanted to, it would be disgusting, but we we could do it. (laughs) So I, I honestly think that like, I I don't think there's going to be a, a single format for comics like if there was a time for that that's probably passed and we're only Mm going to see more ways to take in comics and fewer restrictions on like what comic is the most prevalent or dominant because like you also get the the cool thing about web comics is that you can do so many things on the art end that uh like can be like interactive and Mm -hmm. visually like popping out like yeah you can you can have color changing like on on characters on the fly that you you just can't do that on print right so there's there's really no 
limitations it, it really just depends on like what your story is and how like what's the best best method for telling the story what's what's the, the best way to convey what's happening on the page that's that's really all you have to worry about these days uh, yeah i totally agree um I, I i've had it described to me and i thought it was a really great way to to look at it is I, you'll never see the end of print um because it's um it, it becomes a collectible it's it's kind of like music music is transformed so much in the past, you know, 10 to 15 years with things going to downloads and then things going to streaming. Um, and, and, but you're still going to have the people who want it on vinyl. You're still not going to get rid of those record collectors who want what they want, how they want it, because that is the way they consume their, their audio. So I think it's going to be really similar with comics. You're just not, you're not going to get rid of the trades. You're not going to get rid of the floppies. They might not be as prevalent, but um, and this certainly with the accessibility of all of those different avenues you talked about. Um, and without using those avenues, it's almost like leaving money on the table, right? You've already done yeah. the work of writing it, you know, illustrating it, getting it all prepared, having it all formatted. It's gone to the printer. Well, if we don't put it online, like we're missing out on sales. So, yeah. you know, we're going to put it in all these places and reach our readership. Makes sense. Like the music industry is a perfect example too. Like it, uh, there's... Uh, I think there may have been a time where generationally it would, it would have been understandable to say like, okay, CDs are dead because MP3s are in and now we're, we're full digital, but like that just, that just never happened. Like people kind of caught on that there's different levels of quality that you can get from music. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the same for comics. Like there's, there's a huge difference between reading it on a screen and on your phone versus holding a book or collector's edition. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's cool. It's, it's yeah. awesome. That hardcover matte finish front yeah. feels so yeah. good. For a color book where only the first few pages are color and then it goes into that black and white transition. I'm okay with that too. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. And as you mentioned, like the, the ability to change things on the fly and, you know, animate certain aspects of a web webcomic that you just can't do on print obviously but um yeah that that's a really great new way to consume that content um and i think that'll start bringing in people that maybe aren't are like a diehard comic reader but um i think that'll appeal to and I'm, I'm dating myself now but like the tiktok generation they want something a little bit more flashy a little bit more interactive um so i think that might that might appeal to to a younger generation of comic readers I, we're going to see a lot more of it for sure. Like if, um, so if you haven't seen or read Ostrahilo, I don't know, I might not be pronouncing that correctly by, uh, Shizumura. Um, that's a, it's a web comic that does a lot of that little flash stuff. Mm -hmm. I have, I it. haven't read it, but I've seen it yet. So cool. It's, it's just, that's the only word for it is it's just, it's just cool to read and like see the page, like literally kind of jumping out at you. Like it's, that's awesome. Yeah. I have to learn how to do that <laughs> and find the time. So I did have another question here. Is there anything you do specifically to make it easier to work with an artist? Um, my methodology has kind of grown the more I've worked with different artists. But um, usually what I'll do is once I'm kind of at the like the plotting or, or planning stage, um, I'll find an artist who I think um, style is going to match with the book really well. 
reach out to them and have them and pay them, of course, to do um, usually some characters turns um, just to get an idea of how they're picking up on the character, how, you know, they're taking in the information and the descriptions that I'm giving them, um, what kind of turnaround time I'm looking at from them, how dependable they are. Um, and then they get to know me too. And, you know, that, you know, I'm going to pay them on time. And we, we were able to develop that kind of rapport back and forth because they're not people that I see in real life. So um, that usually gives me a really good indication of, of that trust level and that, that understanding between the two of us. And then once we've got that going on, it's really just kind of a back and forth as to what uh, what kind of script is going to suit them best? Do they want me to be hyper descriptive with my, you know, scene direction? Um, or do they just want, they want to kind of free flow it. And as long as I'm giving them, you know, who's speaking, who's in the panel and what they're doing, they really want to kind of direct those shots and, and how, you know, it all kind of folds together. So it really depends on the artist, um, how I attack the script going past, you know, kind of the general planning phase. How about you? Uh, I'm really quick to ask about comfort zones. Uh, one of the, one of the first things I'll kind of dive into just talking with the artist is what do you love? What do you hate? What what do you never want to have to draw? Uh, what what do you what are you really excited or what, what are your hands. strengths? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, some some people are like that, right? Like, I don't want to draw any cars. It's like, okay, that's that's kind of important to know. Like, I don't want to make a scene sure. with cars. Then, yeah, it's Fast and the Furious you know, and they don't want to draw cars. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of what you do kind of cover some of that and like approaching them with the characters and like getting to know them. But um, I, I find that like some people are maybe a little timid in what they want to do versus what they feel like they should do or have to do. And that's not what like indie comics should be. You, you should, if you're working with someone and you're both excited for the project, then you shouldn't really have to dive into anything that you're uncomfortable with unless that's- Yeah, you shouldn't feel trapped by it either. Yeah, 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 exactly. What would you say is your overall method? Like, how do you go from, I woke up in a cold sweat with an idea to getting it out onto the page? What is your, what is your method to get through that? Uh, I will usually, the first thing I'll ask myself is where- where is this going to go? Where, like, where do I want to go with this? Like, what's the purpose of the story? What's the moral? Even if I don't have a moral, um, I, I still want to know like what the purpose is. If, if I'm, if I'm trying to tell a story that's uh, well, kind of like folklore where I, I want these people to go across North America and experience terrible things, but ultimately have that be for a big significant purpose. Um, I, I really want a very clearly defined ending because I want to be able to freely say, okay, I know they're going to start here and I know they're going to end there. I don't need to care about how many exact number of issues there are in between point A to B, but mm -hmm. I still need to make sure that I'm always headed towards that direction. Um, I think that's a, that's a big boon in terms of indie comics. Uh, we, we can kind of mess around with how long that road is or, or how long the journey is yep, and sure. veer off if we need to. Um, but I, I think about the endings a lot, even, even the stuff that I write currently, like we're, we're working on issues, uh, eight, nine and 10 right now. And I'm, okay. I still think regularly, like, what are we doing now and how does it relate to the end and how is it, is it going to feel like a big payoff if I 
make this change here? Is this something I could call back to or reference? Or is this just, you know, something that we're passing by to get there? Mm -hmm. I, I personally, my favorite issue of the ones that I read was issue six um, of Folklore, because I really found like it really defined the stakes and it gave us kind of that, it gave us the twist. So it was really kind of jam packed in things. And I was really like, by the end of it, I was like ravenous for the next one. So like, that's where it hit for me. It's at issue six was like, okay, now we need business. Now I got to get into this like hard. That's awesome to hear. It's, it's, it's tough. Like I'm not, I don't want to say like, I'm a bad writer, uh, but I'm not uh, one of those writers that's like able to do like the Pepe Silvia like connection board. And I've got like <laughs> the whole web of mystery planned out before me. So when it comes to plotting, like I really need to have that endpoint focused on in the distance in order to start like threading those necessary webs. That's cool. Whenever I'm talking to writers, I think a big part of uh, putting together the story that your 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 dream story, I guess, uh, like, do you start with your dream story, or did you start with your dream story, or or have you kind of moved into other smaller narratives that kind of build up to that? Um, I don't think I've read. I don't think I've written my like magnum opus yet. No, I think um, it it started as a passion project and I realized that I was pretty okay at it and I really enjoyed it. So um, it was more of the story for the time, the headspace that I was in. Um, but I think kind of my, my be all and end all, the thing that I want to kind of hang my hat on it is still to come and it, it's kind of mulling around back there, but um it all comes down to like time management and affordability because I have not been blessed with the ability to do things like um, illustrating. Um, I'm okay at coloring, but um, when it comes to illustration, that is just not who I am. And to have an artist that's going to take this, you know, mind baby and make it a real thing. I just, I, it, I, I don't have the, the financial ability at this point to call up my dream artist and say, okay, I'll pay you whatever you want. We just need to get this out. So I think I'm kind of biding my time um, until I'm in a position where that feels like something that I'm able to do. Have you ever taken any like super golden nuggets from your dream project and put it into another project? Like you just said, um, like this is too good. Yeah. There's little tongue in cheek um, references kind of throughout different different stories like in the we save the world universe it um it's very like kind of loose and fun and goofy and um more of a departure from the more serious tone that I usually write from so I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to do it justice in in comedy because comedy is so hard to write um but once I kind of got in there, I realized that I was able to kind of tuck in these little nods here and there to other stuff that I've written. Um, and again, it, it, as a as a reader, you probably wouldn't pick up on them, but I, you know, flip through or somebody who knows me will flip through and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you snuck that in there. So um, yeah, it's all those kinds of little things that are that are a lot of fun, but yeah. If you had, and this is of course, you know, it flies around the Twitterverse every couple of weeks, 
if you had your choice of mainstream comics, um, what character would you choose to write and why? I think I probably wouldn't take a mainstream character, not because I'm edgy and indie, uh, but I think I would want to either write my own Star Wars Rogue Squadron-esque type comic and yep. just do like like a three a three part boom 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 thing just um, live in that for, universe yeah yeah just just a little story in that universe that one day i don't know disney can steal from me and uh make a million dollars off of <laughs> and <laughs> alternatively i think i would um i would love to do something in aliens as well for the for the same reasons like they're just two two comics that are fun to dive into for me i don't feel like i need to get them i don't feel like i'm waiting for that serial release although i am reading aliens currently Mm -hmm. um but i i do like to see them and i think they're fun and they're just sort of like these gateway comic releases that like kids can pick up and like i can i can tone myself down a little bit and i don't know that would be that'd be a lot of fun more more fun than like taking on uh, Hawkeye or Wolverine and then having someone yell at me because I <laughs> of course. didn't know. Yeah, I forgot Wolverine's favorite brand of maple syrup and I'm just an yeah, idiot. Oh no. I, didn't, I didn't do that research. Uh, the fanboys revolt. Yeah. How about you? Very cool. um, you know what? I, he's super popular right now, um, but I've liked him for a really, really long time. Um, I, I'd have to go with Doctor Strange. Um, and I think it's the marriage between the sci-fi aspect, like the, the magical, the science fiction, the, like the world bending craziness. Um, and then because, and he's also, he comes from this super logical doctor background. So you get logic, which is a huge driving force for me. And then you get this complete juxtaposition of everything wild. So I really love that kind of duality in that character. Um, the other thing that I'd love to write, but I don't think I have the chops for, is to write a Cyclops that people enjoy. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's yeah. just so unlikable. But that's that's part of him, though. Like, I think if you're writing Cyclops in a way that, like, everyone really appreciates and you're like, yeah, Cyclops, you're awesome. Like, you're he's man. always, yeah, like, he's always kind of he's got to be like a douche jock a little bit in order to, yeah. in order yeah. to have that, that swagger, right? Like that's Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's my, my like golden ticket, you know, be all and end all is one day, you know, you're going to read all oh, that Alice in Danger. She finally wrote that Cyclops that people fell in love with. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I, the secret to, maybe this is like, a secret to all superhero teams, but I think the secret to the X-Men specifically, they're all a tiny bit unlikable in some yes, way. Yes, they are. Oh, big time. Yeah. They all and have like this little character flaw that just makes you cringe when it yeah. comes out. There's, every single one of them has that one thing that's just a little insufferable and like, that's cool. That's, I mean, that's, that's real. Well, it right? makes them more relatable, right? They're not these perfect beings. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to put myself out there, you know, podcast verse, but um, I, that's my issue I have with Superman. And maybe he's changed since I've read him because I know there's been a lot of changes in the DC universe, yeah. but that was always my thing with Superman is I just found him wholly unrelatable. And Clark Kent, I like. Superman, I don't like. 
So yeah. I like his alter ego. I like it when he's Kent, but I just can't find that connection with Superman. I think that's fair. Uh, I, I mean, superheroes always represent something. And if you can't connect with what that hero represents, then that hero is kind of a miss for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know someone who's a tremendous Superman fan because the, the, the hope and the endurance of that hope and, and that like unshakable faith in humanity and goodness is what he absolutely loves about Superman. And I don't find that very compelling, but that's the thing that um, I'm, I'm going to maybe show my butt here a little bit in terms of uh, comics knowledge, but uh, Kyle, the, the Green Lantern that who's the artist, and like everyone loved him because he was an artist. Like he's before they had Green Lantern constructs and it was always like a hammer, a jet, right? Like something like kind of fantastical in the mm-hmm. sense that it's a green, it's a Green Lantern projection, right? But when they started getting um, Kyle in, Kyle, um, um, Kyle Rayner, Kyle Rayner, yes, yeah. he's he's such a creative individual, and like that, I don't know. It's it you have to. Is yeah, so even though the Green Lantern is still his thing is uh, about like the endurance of spirit and willpower, right? Like that's every Green Lantern does that. His interpretation of it was very different from Hal Jordan's and that got people onto that character train. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a really uh, cool idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I w- you know what? I, as much as I, you know, I, I'm begging on Superman a little bit, but um, everything that I write, I, I always classify it as superhero adjacent. There are some super people in the universe or in the world that I'm writing, um, but it's not necessarily about their powers, if that makes any sense, or what's kind of going on. Um, they live in that world, but not necessarily about, you know, the, 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 the Clark Kent or the, you know, the Nolan from Invincible. It's, it's not... It's not yeah. that character. The protagonist is not, you know, the Omni-Man of the universe. Yeah. Um, but, but I like living in those universes where there are those elements of fantastical sci-fi, you know, crazy things that are a little bit beyond what we know and love about regular life. So I like that idea in my fantasy and my, in my fiction. Now, in, in writing for this genre, <clears throat> did you feel pressured at all to like one so one of the things that we wanted to establish with folklore because we are both superhero and also horror is the we wanted the rules of the world to be really clear and i know that my my one personal gripe is that issue one of folklore is a little explainy but we were so afraid that like we would start making progress in the plot only for someone to be like what's the deal here like why is this a thing why is the federation this why what are these powers related to and we really didn't want anyone to second guess some of what we were doing so we we took the time to like lay out like these are this is the rules on how the world works this is how things are kind of yeah here's here's a crash course um do do you find or did is that something that came across in in your process that's something you worried about Um, so I'll tell you when I read it, it reminded me of one of my 
um, when I read the first issue of Folklore, it reminded me of one of my all-time top five favorite movies, and that's Goodfellas. And it starts with Ray Liotta's narration of how he wanted to be a good fella. So it really resonated that way. I love that dynamic of telling stories like, hi, I'm the narrator. Um, here's who I am. Here's my connection to the story. And I'm going to lay this out for you. So I like that kind of handholding in the, in the beginning because it got me to where I needed to go. Um, and I felt a part of it, especially as something that I've never read before. I don't have, you know, like everybody has a lifetime of experience in the Star Wars universe and you understand what the rules are. You don't have to re-explain it every time. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to be able to get into that universe in that way. Um, I, I use narration sometimes when I'm writing, but there's always this little nagging bit of me in the back of my mind that I'm like, you're not writing prose. You're not writing prose. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Like don't, because I have a tendency to be very wordy and very descriptive. So if I had my way, the whole, you know, I'm going to write this, you know, four page, you know, full writing epilogue or pardon me, preface of, you know, like, let's get them all so that they know as much as I do as the writer. So I am very critical of myself when doing it. Um, and I shy away from it because I feel like I'm going to be too wordy. But when I read it, I really enjoy it. Yeah, you, you you have to pump the brakes for sure. Like that was and that's I mean, the one great thing about working with an artist is they'll tell you when they can't fit what you, <laughs> you want to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it really, really helps to I, I think I've gotten better at that over the years. I know when I first started, um, I really struggled with like how much a character should say, how much dialogue needed to like be there so that we could have a great experience on the page. Um, these days, I'm I'm way sharper i think at knowing like how much can be said and how much needs to be pulled back and it's a learning curve with your characters too as you spend more time with them through every book you don't have to rehash those little character points that you really had to note in the dialogue as you go oh yeah so as the character grows you don't have to revisit that over and over again um my whole thing with the young adult stuff um is that if it's a younger crowd writing i always call it naming the puppy i feel like you, they need to have a connection with the different characters on the page. So the characters need to call one another by name more frequently in something that's young adult versus something that's, you know, kind of teen and up where you can mention a, a character's name once or twice. It's emblazoned in your reading, reader's mind and they just move forward knowing that that character is that character. Um, whereas I find myself speaking very differently through these characters in a young adult co uh, comic because the characters are consistently naming the puppy. They're consistently speaking to one another by using their first name. Yeah. And that took some getting used to. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it, it's, it's hard to establish, especially when you're, you're working on like an ensemble cast or like a team group mm -hmm. dynamic. Like you only have so many pages to establish who's who and what they do and uh, again, uh, a tremendous advantage to being indie is is you don't really have to worry about you. You, you have pacing concerns. You you should absolutely you be should concerned about the concerns. pacing of your comic, <laughs> but um, you can get away kind of. I I hope I hope other people out there. You can tell me if I got away with this uh, releasing issue one where you 
only dedicate one page to your main protagonist and you don't name any of them, uh, which is what we did. You, you don't see, you see Helios in history going through this event, but we don't name anyone until volume, uh, I'm sorry, issue two. Um, and even then the time you spend with them is, is really brief and, and kind of action oriented. So mm-hmm. you can, you can take more risks and, and do some weird stuff. Well, and you have the, you have the ability to, to take your time. Um, one of the things that I find if I'm working with a publisher is because you have that 22 page be all and end all, you know, you have to get it in. So if it doesn't happen in the first five pages, chances are like, we can't refer to it again later. Like it just, it's so fast and so quickly paced because it has to meet those restraints. Whereas when you're writing for yourself or you're writing as an, uh, like an indie, you can take the 34, you know, 40 pages to tell, you know, this kind of more beefy part of the story that doesn't have to be condensed. You don't, I feel like you don't have to carve it up so much. You can tell the, the big sweeping narrative as opposed to, you know, the, the trimmed down version. Um, and for better or worse, I mean, sometimes working in those restraints can be really great, but there are a few times where I'm just like, oh, I really wish that page had made it because it was really good, but it was, it was, you know, like heart wrenching and, you know, writer's gold, but it just didn't make the cut when it came to the action and the sequencing and the pacing. Yeah. And learning what to cut is, is just so valuable. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I see a lot of comics uh, out there that, I feel like, you know, this, we could have passed this, like we could have skipped this. And I'm, I'm sure that's reflective in, in anyone's work, right? You, you can always look for places where it's like, man, I could have shortcut this a little bit, but as the creator, it's hard to know when to take the red pen and say like, this has to go like you, yeah. you almost always need someone else to. Oh, for sure. Who isn't a, like a sycophant who's, who's ready to tell you like, okay, <laughs> like this is, this is good, but maybe tone it down or maybe it's not here. Yeah. This yeah. six panel, you know, sequence can be cut down to one or two panels. Like it really is not going to take a whole page to get through this. Yeah. 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 Do that's invaluable a, to have somebody like that. Do you, I was going to say, do you have a, like a editor or someone that you work with that reviews your stuff? Um, so I usually go to a couple of different people. Um, I've got some people um, in my like friend group that are part of the, the creative, uh, creative world. Um, and probably the first place I go and it, it's kind of goofy, but is my husband. Um, he's kind of a lifelong comic guy. Um, you know, kind of the, it, it's almost like when I write certain stuff, I write it for him. And if he likes it, I know that it's going to be well received because he's kind of the bread and butter, right? He's the, he's, he's the comic guy. If he, if he enjoys it, it'll do. Okay. So to have him kind of go over it and then um, come back with, and he's not afraid to tell me, okay, this is really awesome, but this is kind of meh, um, and this is kind of sluggish. Um, because we have such different tastes, it gives me that oomph to see it from a different point of view. So yeah. it's really great as a first step to be able to have that person and who can be, you know, brash and honest with me and then take it beyond that to like the editor or an editing phase or, um, you know, somebody else beyond the actual work itself that can turn around and say, okay, yeah, this is great. No, we need more here. Um, But yeah, that's usually the first place I go is him. 
That's awesome. I, I used to show more people my scripts, uh, but now when I'm working, I usually wait until like roughs are together to kind of uh, decide like, yeah, is this, is this good or not? Um, I, I, I feel like, especially with comics, it's not just important for the dialogue to be right or the blocking, um, but to make sure that I've understood panel layout correctly, like some things just sound good and then you know you'll you'll get to laying it out and it just it just doesn't look good and you have to decide mm -hmm. okay we need to rework like a page or two now um but I, having having anyone to bounce off of is is such a valuable part of mm -hmm. uh, whether you're working on a comic or a novel it literally anything. anything yeah um one of the great things and i always try and make sure that and I hope that it comes across is when I'm working with different artists is that if you're looking at a page and you're reading it and, and you see it because you're, you're the visual person, right? You're the person who's going to turn these words into this beautiful work of art. Um, and I've had them come back and say, okay, I really took this page and I think it's just kind of like a repeat of the page before. So can we like trim it and put that dialogue on this page or Conversely, I've had an artist come back and say, hey, this really deserves more page space. Like, can we blow this out into two pages as opposed to, you know, five panels or something? So um, I really like to try and be open to that because, again, they're, they, they're your partner in this whole, you know, creating comic books. Um, and like I said, I can't do it. So I have to trust them and their professional opinion that they need to take what I'm saying and either trim it or blow it up. So um, that's been a really great dynamic as well as to be able and open to taking, you know, the artist's recommendations. Yeah, you, you really have to, I like you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you go to work with an artist, any artist, even if it's another writer and you're just not willing to move a little <laughs> bit on exactly. what it is you're doing. Yeah. It, I mean, if you're not the illustrator, then, you need to kind of heed some advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I, I mean, there, it feels that way sometimes, right? Where you're like, wow, I, I really think that this is the best way for this to look like proportionally. Uh, and you, it's just, it's such a, it can be such a mess. Like you, you might make someone uh, work to sketch out a page just to show you how bad it is. And that's not the kind of relationship you want to have with someone just antagonistically arting. No, God, no. And I, you know what, I think that comes with like age and experience, right? Like even in you know, jobs outside of comics, you have to have a level of camaraderie and compromise and, you know, team building and teamwork, or it doesn't work anywhere. Yeah. So this is nothing different than any other kind of vocation out there is it's a, it's a team sport. Comics are a team sport. So you have to work as a team. It just doesn't yeah. work any other way. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because uh, when I look at the subject of like cutting material, I think as writers, we're kind of used to it. Uh, but mm. the, the few creators uh, or a few creators that I've spoken to that are writer illustrators. So they, they do all the work themselves. Which the unicorns. In, incredible. Um, I've, I've spoken to a few that like, their, their one major pitfall is not knowing what to cut because they know they can handle illustrating it and they know mm -hmm. they're doing the writing for it. So they end up doing more work than necessary because they don't have that person to like work with them to find, you know, what's the, what's the perfect middle ground. So they end up yeah. making they don't have something that that's, collaboration. 
it, yeah, it's it's overstuffed with with maybe detail that slows you down or or just doesn't contribute to a, a more cohesive vision of what the project is. That's a, it's always something in the back of my mind is that I hope I'm coming across to my artist. I hope that I'm being descriptive enough without being condescending that I'm um, helping them to see what I'm seeing without telling them what to see. And I know that's convoluted and ridiculous, but um, yeah, it's a line I always try and, you know, kind of stay on is I, I really want to, for them to enjoy the process as well. Yeah. Yeah. And for them to have fun. That's, that's a big part yeah, of it. Exactly. Who wants to make comics and hate it? That sounds yeah. terrible. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, it was awesome talking to you. It was, uh, this has been really fun. I, I don't get to talk to writers as much as I get to talk and, and engage with uh, illustrators. Cause I, I think they're just so much more out there and we're kind of cloistered in, in our own little caves on typewriters. So it's, it's, it's cool to, get to sit down and talk to someone else about this thing that we have such a huge passion about. Yeah, it's been really fun. And um, it's nice to know in the community that you're not alone. Um, so having this conversation with somebody who, you know, who feels that feel when they hold their book in their hand and, you know, is creating this universe and hoping they're come across, a, you know, there, there's, well, misery loves company, but um, to be able to, to know that, that's kind of a shared experience among a group of, of writers and indie writers and comic lovers is um, it's really comforting. So I'm really glad that um, we've been able to connect and I had a really good time chatting. So thank you. And um, I'm looking forward to the next issue of Folklore. Thank you to Allison and Adam for joining us for this discussion. Allison's work can be found at allisondanger.com by searching Alice in Danger on Amazon. Adam's store and socials can be found at adam34th.com. As always, I'll put links in the episode description. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music and Jeff Harmatz for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creators on Comics podcast podcast.